Good morning, church. I am Pastor John, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Grace Assembly. And it is truly my honour and privilege to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning, wherever you are in your homes. This week, we continue from our Love Inc. series on the letters of John. And no, it's not written by me. It's written by the author, the Apostle John. Focusing in on 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-11. to 11. Would you grab your Bibles and notepads and join me as we study His Word? Have you ever had the experience where you thought you knew something well, but when it truly came to the test, you didn't? Or maybe some of us have had that experience with the people around us, where we just have that you know, one friend who is very good at googling all the answers, but when it came to truly understanding a particular subject matter, they had very little to no understanding of it. Well, you see, for me, it was the subject on history. Back in school, I loved history and I would talk about it all the time. But when it came to the exam, I failed it. I knew a lot about it, yet when it came to truly applying and translating my knowledge in the area of a test, I couldn't do well at all. This brings us to the key passage in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-11, to where the Apostle John is writing to a bunch of people who thought they knew very well the things of God. But in reality, they had little to account for it. The title of my message today is Love Obeys. And the big idea is Jesus commands us to love one another. See, 1 John is one of the hardest books to categorize or outline because John, the author, consistently repeats similar themes and imageries. Light versus darkness, lies versus truth. So as we study the letters of John, think of it as John the author circling around the same theme but at different levels. Each time he visits the same theme, he goes into a deeper detail. John was writing to address the issue of Gnosticism. In the Greek, the word is ginosko, which means knowledge. Why? Because the people he was writing to were all about gaining more knowledge but deferred from living a life that matched it. Gnosticism was a heresy that debated on the reality of Jesus as the Son of God taking on flesh. They would question if Jesus was truly a man in physical being as the, as the perfect God can never be linked to a broken and fallen world. As such, the Gnostics placed a lot more emphasis and focus on gaining knowledge and paid little to no attention to what they did with their lives or their bodies because the life in the flesh did not matter as much. So now let's examine the text today. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-5 to says this, We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. The very first point I want you to write down today is this, live as Jesus did. As I had mentioned earlier, that the people that John was addressing were living in a culture that focused a lot more on knowledge than anything else. As such, many of them claimed to have relationship with God simply by knowing Him. But how many of us know that there is a great difference between knowing about God and truly knowing God deeply in your heart? 
John uses the perfect tense here when he describes knowing God, which tells us that knowing God refers to a past experience with continuing results today. The word know in this passage is not just a surface kind of knowledge, but rather an experiential knowledge. In the original Hebrew, the word know, when it's used in the Bible, it actually represents intimacy. So there is a deep connection and relationship that exists. The evidence of knowing God is seen in the way that we keep His commands. In other words, our obedience demonstrates the level of knowledge we have of God. And it's not by how much we can simply talk about Him or maybe quote scripture well to others. See, there is nothing wrong with wanting to gain knowledge of God. But here, we see John telling us that the depth of our relationship with God is as simple as doing whatever He tells us to do. God is more interested in what we do with what we know than how much we simply know in our mind. The passage goes on to state that those who claim to know God but does not do what He commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. So someone could know the truth and still choose to lie. And in this verse, John describes the person who does not keep God's commands as the one that has no truth in this person's life. Meaning, this person represents falsehood, false understanding, false theology, and living in darkness. Some of us may be familiar with the passage in Matthew 7, where Jesus was preaching His famous Sermon on the Mount, and towards the end of that message, He talks about how not everyone who comes to Him and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the Kingdom of Heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father. Which tells us that we can go through life claiming to be Christian, and even perform miracles and yet still be far from where we're supposed to be. And Jesus continues on in that passage, driving the whole theme of the application, doing what you hear and obeying God's word. As we continue down 1 John chapter 2, it says in verse 5, If anyone obeys his word, the love of God or the love for God is truly made complete for them. In other translations, the phrase used is keeps his word. And the word keep implies that there is diligence and effort of guarding and taking care of something. There is vigilance and alertness likened to someone keeping watch or guarding something of interest. Like a shepherd keeping watch over the sheep or maybe a soldier guarding a camp. You see, we are guarding something that is important and valuable or protecting treasure. So some important questions we need to ask ourselves is whether the Word of God is important and valuable to us for our lives. Are we committed to the Word of God even when it becomes inconvenient for us? So some might ask, why then do we find it so hard to obey God? And the answer is this, that maybe some of us find it so hard to obey because we have yet to come to truly know Him. Maybe some of us, we do not have that true love relationship with God. You see, the more you know God in a deep and intimate relationship, the more you want to obey. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Obedience is a characteristic 
of our relationship with God. Love obeys. Some of you may know that I'm married to my beautiful and amazing wife, Ria. And one of the key things about any marriage is that you want to love your spouse well through the way you express your love to each other. And as you spend more time with one another, you begin to know and discover your partner more and more. You want to do things that would please your partner and make your spouse feel loved. Likewise, in our relationship with God, when we cling that we truly love God, we will want to grow in our obedience towards Him. Some of us here are probably struggling in our relationship with God. You know, maybe things have become stagnant and lifeless. Maybe the reason why we feel empty or distant from God is because we have yet to obey Him. So I want to ask us this question. What was the last thing God spoke to you through His Word that you have yet to obey and do? John chapter 14, verse 21, as said by Jesus, is this, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. The ultimate expression of our love for God is when we obey God's word. And the ultimate example of this is seen in the way Jesus lived. 1 John chapter 2 and the second part of verse 5 to 6, it says, This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. In the original Greek translation, the word live is best represented with the meaning to walk or peripateo, meaning to conduct one's life or to live as a habit of conduct. So the focus is the conduct. So if we claim to know God, then we must obey His word. And here, if we claim to live in Christ, we must walk the way Jesus walked. So how did Jesus walk? Jesus depended on the Father and walked with loving obedience to Him. See, He depended on God. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That's how Jesus depended on God. And Jesus obeyed God's will. He says this in John 14, verse 31. Jesus says, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. See, Jesus did what God commanded because He loves the Father. So the questions that we need to ask ourselves today is this, are we depending on God? Or are we denying His presence in our lives by simply relying on everything else, such as investments, jobs, people around us, or maybe even relying on ourselves? Or are we obedient to God's words and His way? Or are we oblivious to His voice and obsessed with being in control? I love that John wrote that we must walk the way Jesus walked. Because walking requires one step at a time, and it paints a picture of a process and a journey. So we know that we will never be able to be perfect while we're here on this earth because we live in a sinful world that is broken. But we can take heart that we are able to focus on the very next step of our walk with Christ living in us. Take one step at a time. Take 
Take it closer. Take one step closer to Jesus to become more like Him. Live in Christ by abiding in Him. How is our conduct like? That's something that we need to ask as well. Because our conduct represents the way we carry ourselves, our words, actions, and behavior. It represents the output from our lives. Jesus walked in loving obedience to the Heavenly Father. And we, we are meant to look more and more like Jesus in the way He lived and walked on this earth. So the question I want us to ask ourselves today is, do we reflect more of Jesus in our lives? The famous theologian John Stott said this, We cannot claim to abide in Him unless we are like Him. So we are most like Jesus when we begin to live as He did. And one of the key and main characteristics of Jesus while He was here on this earth was the way He loved people. The second point for today is love as Jesus commands. In verse 7, it says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. What exactly is John talking about here? One moment, it seems as though he's talking about a command that's old. And yet, in the next statement, is something that is new. Seems like a paradox that he's mentioning here. What on earth is going on? John is pointing to the command that goes way back to the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 19 verse 18, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was a commandment that the Lord gave since the time of Moses about 1,400 years ago. Yet at the same time, Jesus referenced it when He talked about the greatest commandment that is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and to love our neighbour as ourselves in Mark chapter 12. The term neighbour for the reader then would refer to all the Jews and today's context, it would refer to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is also the reason why you would see John narrowing down to address specifically our love for one another, that is, our brothers and sisters in Christ. However, as much as this was an old command, yet this was also considered a new commandment based on the example that Jesus gives in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It remains new because it remains true and it is continually being realized and actualized in the life of Jesus and the followers. And the newness of this command lies in the fact that it is being fulfilled in a way that it had not previously. This command that was mentioned way back in the Old Testament was now exemplified in Christ as He came to love us. 
Jesus has enabled this love to be realized in this present age amongst the followers so the truth of this love is evidence in Christ and in us. The newness that John describes is the reality of this command being at work now amongst Christians. Yet, there was a serious issue happening to this group of Christians that John was writing to. There was a lack of love between the community of believers. They claimed to know God, to live in Christ and to be in the light. Yet, their very actions spoke the exact opposite of their knowledge about God. They were probably lacking in love, indifferent towards each other, and more caught up with what's going on in their own lives than for the brother or sister who was in need. Verse 9 in 1 John 2 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and tried to make your way to the bathroom in the dark? I don't know about you, but for me, when I get up in the night, I bump into so many different things as I move around the, the house, you know, maybe trying to get my way to the toilet, um, being half awake, I stumble along different things and bump into different things and my wife can testify to how clumsy I am as a person. I've bumped into furniture, I've knocked stuff over in the dark and the worst experience that anyone can have is when I smash my toe into the corner of the bed frame. How many of you can relate to that stinging feeling in your toe? See, this is the image that John is referring to when we say that we are in the light and yet we do not love one another then we are in the darkness. The person who is lacking in love is in darkness, walks in darkness without knowing where he's going. Someone who is probably spiritually walking around aimlessly in circles without ever reaching a destination. Verse 10 says this, the person who loves others, nothing in them makes them stumble. The word stumble in the Greek is actually scandalon, referring to a trap or something that makes one trip causing someone's downfall. So for the one who loves, there is no form of stumbling found in them. For the person who lacks love, this person is not only living and stumbling around in darkness, but causes others to stumble as well. Just like how I was stumbling into things half awake in the middle of the night, imagine that kind of life, one that is without any direction, without any clarity, simply just bumping into stuff here and there and with your relationships with people, probably even hurting them. Such people, as John describes, cannot claim to be in the light or to be in relationship with God when their love for others is lacking. The concept of love as written by John is a radical love if we claim to follow Jesus. His idea of love is caring for the needs of others even to the point of self-sacrifice. It is a kind of love that says, if I am not willing to love and serve somebody in need, then I love myself more than that person. In fact, anybody who does not love his brother or sister hates them. There is no in-between. You either love or hate a brother and sister, which meant that if I don't love and serve my brother and sister in need, I'm not merely someone who is neutral or indifferent. I'm hating on them. I'm hating my brother and sister in Christ. John is telling us that there are in fact genuine Christians who hate fellow believers. So let's be real here. Sometimes 
Christians can be one of the hardest people to love. Why? Because we have a certain level of expectation when we look at a fellow believer and when when they fail to meet that standard, we find it so difficult to love them. But Jesus, He didn't come to die just for those who are easy to love. He died for those who are difficult to love as well. In fact, Jesus expressed His love for our humanity on the cross when He asked God the Father to forgive them for they know not what they do. The very people that wanted Jesus dead and killed Him, Jesus forgave them. So one of the ways we can love one another is to forgive one another. And some of us need to seek God's help to forgive those who have hurt us. You see, I'm not downplaying your hurt or betrayal or what you have gone through. I I understand it is painful, it is frustrating, it is traumatizing. But Jesus experienced all of this and He chose to love and forgive. Our flesh will always want our own way, but it is the Holy Spirit that will give us the strength to forgive. One of the things Jesus taught was this statement He made in the Lord's Prayer. When He taught His disciples to pray, He said this, Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. See, until we can fully understand how much we have been forgiven, can we then extend forgiveness to others? Another way we can love one another is to serve one another. I believe the call is for all of us as followers of Jesus to love and serve those that are within our Christian community. Galatians 5 verse 13 to 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. One of the key ways that we can love one another is by serving each other, especially during this difficult time where our world is going through a pandemic and our nation is struggling with our own economy. Many are finding it hard to keep their jobs and others are having trouble finding jobs. We need each other and the best way we can show our love is to serve and support one another. So maybe we can start with our small groups, you know, or our Grace Missional groups, create a place that allows people to openly share their needs and struggles and for others to pray and to serve those needs. Support one another. Recommend job opportunities to one another. In fact, we have jobs available right now even at our Grace Assembly website in different areas such as Copcoms or even HR as a manager. For others, Maybe we can even take them out for a meal to encourage them. Let's be creative and let's think of how or who we can better love and support within our community. Here's a short video we want to share with you on the topic of loving one another. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Imelda joined us a year ago, and she's truly God-sent. When we needed a helper, we prayed, and God had placed Imelda's name in my heart. Joining in a new family with race, different than mine was difficult at first. I need to know the do's and don'ts. 
likes and dislikes of the whole family. As we're from different cultures and upbringing, there will always be a need to adapt, and misunderstandings are inevitable at the start. My only apprehension was that what if I committed a mistake? Are we going to meet halfway? How about their expectation? It is possible to meet those. I confess that I lack gentleness and patience. Horror stories that I heard from fellow friends was about food, either lack of food or nothing at all. Second was the 24 hours camera in every corner of the house, and the third one was the bad or inhuman treatment of their domestic helpers. Jesus spoke to me in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Working in a Christian household are far from what my friends said. I consider it as a God's blessing and be favor because they know how to treat me well and value me. Having a vertical relationship with God is utmost important. Hence, we encourage Imelda to spend time with God in the mornings before she starts her work. As we value our horizontal relationship with her and others, we often pray and soak in God's presence at J333 prayer session together. And we provide her with space, privacy, time, and freedom to attend sermons, prayer sessions, cell group meetings, and church leaders' meetings during weekdays and not only on off days on Sunday. Narinig ng Diyos ang panalangin ko. Salamat sa Diyos sa pagbibigyan nila sa buhay ko. Patuloy nila akong inaakay sa mabuting daan tungo sa pananampalataya sa Diyos. In the eyes of God, we are all sinners. Doesn't matter who is the employer or who the employee. We are all brethren in Christ and should love each other. Therefore, we are determined as a household to love and support our helper in her spiritual journey. On a final note, we live by God's commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Wow, what a powerful testimony of loving each other, regardless of the backgrounds we have. There is a blessing that God gives when we choose to obey His command. Imagine a family that loves each other and gives unconditionally. Imagine a small group that loves and supports each other, meeting each other's needs, encouraging one another. Imagine a church that loves one another and how powerful that would be within and beyond the walls of the church. Imagine what the world will see and know when each one of us begin to radically love one another. The world will see Jesus. Jesus did not give a great suggestion or spoke of a concept. He gave us the great commandment, that is to love God with our heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second that is just as important is to love our neighbour as ourselves. Jesus commands us to love one another. 
And as believers in Christ, the only way we can do this is to first live as Jesus did, obeying and keeping His commands, and then to love as Jesus commands by loving our brothers and sisters. When we fail to love, we fail to obey. And when we fail to obey, we fail to truly know God. Love obeys. I believe today that God is speaking to all of us right now. And I want to pray for two groups of people. For the first group, for some of you, the Holy Spirit is leading and prompting you to forgive a particular person in your life. This person probably has hurt you and maybe it was really something that you didn't deserve at all. Whatever it is, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead you out of this to forgive this person. For the other group, God is challenging you right now to grow in the way that you love one another, to be proactive in loving and serving your fellow brothers and sisters. You know, and not just remain neutral or indifferent, but to actively take a step and think of how you can love and serve your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So if that is you right now, that you come under these two groups, would you lift your hands right where you are as a response to God as I pray for all of us? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And your word is true. It is living and active and it speaks to us today. It is relevant then many years ago. It is still relevant today in our world. And I pray, God, for us, Lord, for those of us who especially struggle with forgiveness, to forgive a, a person or a group of people probably have hurt us. Whatever it is, God, I ask right now that you will help us to understand the forgiveness that you have given to us. And when we understand your forgiveness, Lord, we know that you've given us that empowerment to forgive others, to set us free from whatever that has been holding us inside. I pray, God, that you will enable those who are struggling right now with forgiveness to release them and empower them to forgive those who have hurt them. And Lord, we pray for all of us, God. Help us, Lord. Help us to look at our brothers and sisters in Christ and not just remain indifferent, but to love them and to love them with action, to serve them, to build them, to encourage them and to build a community that is alive and encouraging one another in the things of God. Lord, let us not be people that just speak of knowing you and speak of what it means to be in the light, but let us be people that demonstrate that with living as you did and loving as you commanded. So we thank you, Father, for your word. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend ahead. May you go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. We will see you next week.